This is Tooth Be Told. This is Dr. Walter Aka. I have my co-host, Dr. Kyle hey, Humper. What's going to be on? Here. But the 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 man of the hour, the one that we're really excited about. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he even needs an introduction, but he's going to basically talk to us about nutrition, dentistry, something that we are not taught in dental school. Let's be completely honest. You know, on that kind, on a level that's you know just deep dive you know, into this whole entire nutritional avenue. So Dr. Alvin Denenberg, what's going on, sir? How's everything today? It's great. Just call me Al. It's perfect. What is going on today? Everything is going on today. The world <laughs> is crazy. Yes. They're scared. They're out of work. I mean, who knows what's going on? See, But other than that, yes. um, I'm doing my own thing too. Please. Learning about nutrition and trying to enter graded to with the patients that I've been treating in the past. I've been in practice for a long time, like 44 years. That's a hell of a long time. Just a little Older bit. Older than both of you guys. So, <laughs> you know. um, and I stopped practicing active periodontics, seeing active patients in September 2018. A little something came along in my life, so I decided not to practice any longer. But I'm very active doing the things that I do and doing Skype and Zoom consultations all around the world, actually, and uh, talking about my primal nutrition and lifestyle concepts, integrating that with periodontal therapy. And by the way, brushing and flossing is probably not as critical as you might think. Dental plaque is healthy until it's unhealthy. Let's get that straight. We don't want to kill bacteria in our mouth. Let's get that straight. Um, and everything emanates and starts with the gut. Let's get that straight. Then the other thing that I want to just mention that um, changed the way I practice periodontics was in September 2018, I was diagnosed, lo and behold, with an incurable bone marrow cancer, and I was given three to six months to live. So theoretically, I should have died a year and a half ago, but I have not died. And actually, I'm thriving very nicely. I um, rejected chemotherapy because my disease was incurable and it would do nothing other than maybe extend my life but decrease the quality of my life from everything I could learn. And I figured this was not the direction I wanted to take. I went to um, a different avenue. I did some research with some uh, integrative physicians that I know and a tremendous deep dive in PubMed gov where all the medical research is there and I created a series of unconventional cancer protocols that made sense to me that I have been working with since then since September 2018 I tweak them quite a bit because sometimes things work better than others and I add things and and reject things but I have gone along that path and I am doing amazingly well um, my biggest problems have been pathological fractures because my disease is a disease of multiple myeloma, a very specific aggressive form of multiple myeloma, and it has caused my skeleton to become very holy, like uh, severe osteoporosis, meaning that my skeleton really can't support the weight of my body, so I have these pathological fractures. If I twist or bend in the wrong way, I break a bone. Um, and I've had a lot of bone fractures, and it's excruciatingly uncomfortable, to say the least. But I've survived them. I'm doing very well, and here I am. I'd love to share all that information with you guys and your audience. Yeah, especially you, nutrition. You said you said a lot. You said a lot, and <laughs> and I I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know where to begin, but let's okay. So so the the, the podcast is tooth be told. So we're gonna focus a lot on dentistry. I mean, this is yes. your paradigmist. I'm a paradigmist, but you know way more than I do. You have more experience well, than I do, and we're gonna yeah. go and talk about what you said at the beginning, which was plaque is not bad right and and that is right. literally going against everything that you learned in dental school right. and, and periodontics so please right. so when i learned this it blew me away right so give me i'll give you an idea um it was when i was i'm i'm almost 73 years old like two weeks 73 well, so happy early birthday at the age of huh happy early birthday well thank you so at the age of 66 I was fortunate enough to take a course at the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health on nutrition. 
Now, previous to that, I had some issues, medical issues. I was trying to get my life together and, and figure out what was wrong with me. Um, and I couldn't really get a handle on everything. But this course was on nutrition for healthcare professionals. It was a five-day course, um, highly intensive, a deep dive into nutrition. And I learned that this course was about primal nutrition and lifestyle which I had no idea what it meant. So I took this course and learned that basically the nutrition of our primal ancestors was the nutrition of our DNA. Basically, this is the type of food our body required. It didn't specifically say you had to eat a brand of this food or a brand of that food. It basically explained how our bodies function with the basic necessary nutrition that we must have to survive. And the things that we cannot put into our body where it will damage our DNA and our structure um, as a human being. Blew me away. I learned so much in those five days. Now, so you're calling this a, the primal diet? Is that? Yeah. Uh, so we'll call it a primal diet. Is that, uh, I, I mean, there's lots of diets out there. There's paleo, there's vegan, there's Mediterranean, raw foods. Uh, okay. Kind of where does it so fall let's, in So let's that? talk into the real, I'm going to be very controversial, guys. I want you to be. Let's talk, I let's want you talk to be. about the diet of human beings. I'm not talking about vegans or vegetarians, which, by the way, has never existed in our evolution for any period of time. As a society, humans cannot live without animal products, period. End of story. Now, if you are a vegan, you must take certain supplements to survive or thrive over time. Now, I will tell you that the standard American diet, which you're probably familiar with, if not, it's basically a fast food burger, fries, and a Coke three, days, three times a day, seven days a week, people thrive on that, and, and that is an extremely unhealthy diet, and a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet is significantly better than the standard American diet, but our bodies need animal products to survive and thrive, that's how we evolved, that's why we have the brain that we have, and many, many other functioning organ systems are, are um, active and uh, require the animal products. Now, it's not meat per se, it's the organs, it's the fat, and it's the collagenous material. So we can talk about that, but the, the food that must be eaten are a variety of animal products and then plants, vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, and that would pretty much define the paleo-type diet. Not lean meats, we want the fat. We want the necessary healthy fat. But we must have these foods that are wild-caught and um, pastured. These are not animal products that are conventionally raised with chemicals and antibiotics and hormones and a variety of things. These are not beef products that are fed grains. They're fed natural grass on, on a pasture. So those nutrients that come into the animal's bodies and the plants and fruits and vegetables, nuts, seeds, that kind of thing, without being processed with chemicals and preservatives, are what is considered a primal diet. And uh, Mark Sisson has described and probably coined the term primal diet, but it's really an ancestral diet. It's the way our ancestors have lived through evolution. And we know that because we can look at archaeological uh, digs and skeletal remains and do a variety of DNA testing to show what actual products were in the stomachs of our ancestors and how they survived over the millennia. Um, hardly ever did they have um, chronic disease. Hardly ever did they have um, issues with periodontal disease or tooth decay. Something is ringing, and I apologize for that. That's okay. Uh, probably... That will probably go away in a second. Well, can you talk about the connection yes. between the, the bacteria in your mouth and your immune system? Yes. So let, let's go back to the diet. So these nutrients that are 
we're eating, and it's and it's let's call it a primal diet or an ancestral diet, are giving our bodies the nutrients that it needs, but not just the cells of our body, which probably number about 30 trillion, but also the bacterial or microbiome of our gut, which is about 38 trillion cells. So we are more um, microbial cells than human cells. And these nutrients not only feed our body, our human cells, it will feed our microbiome and do things for our microbiome that actually do things for ourselves. It, the microbiome creates and supports our immune system. So if we're eating healthy foods that are getting into our body cells, and we're eating healthy foods that feed our healthy microbiome, the bacteria and the other microbes in our gut, then our immune system can function at its peak. When we have an immune system that is functioning at our peak, it allows the bacterial colonies throughout our body to stay in balance. We not only have this huge, wonderful garden of bacteria in our guts, but we have the same, not necessarily exactly the same, but we have similar gardens of bacteria on our skin and all mucous membranes uh, uh, throughout our body, as well as our mouth. So the mouth bacteria, which may number, let's say, something where in the neighborhood of 700 species, are in a state of balance. That bacteria stays in a state of balance unless something happens to it. And that bacteria forms a layer, a biofilm, called dental plaque. And dental plaque is in a state of balance unless our gut microbiome is imbalanced or unhealthy, which is called dysbiosis that affects and damages our immune system or compromises our immune system so it can't function properly. And then when the immune system is not functioning properly, it will allow the bacteria in other parts of our body, including our mouth, to become unbalanced, especially if we're eating unhealthy foods that irritate the bacteria in our gut. It will also feed patholog or pathogenic bacteria in our mouth to overgrow. Everybody has e essentially pathogenic bacteria in, the, in your mouth. We have P. gingivalis. Everybody has P. gingivalis. People will think that if we can identify P. gingivalis in the mouth, we must kill it to prevent periodontal disease. That's not true. The P. gingivalis in the mouth, if it's in a state of balance, keeps the rest of the species in balance. And the P. gingivalis doesn't overgrow and become pathogenic, uh, pathogenic to create periodontal disease and periodontal and bone destruction. But once that goes awry, once that pathogenic bacteria overgrows because of dysbiosis in the gut and a comp compromised immune system and the bad foods we're eating, then the bad foods feed this pathogenic bacteria to overgrow. And then we develop a vicious cycle where the bacteria are overgrowing, the dental plaque becomes very unhealthy, and then the foods that we're eating not only feed the plaque, but they continue to damage the gut, and it is a vicious cycle until something stops it. Now, one way to stop it, which is not the correct therapy, would be to tell a per person, you need to kill all this bacteria that is in your mouth, and to do that, you want to use an antimicrobial mouthwash every day. So they will use an antimicrobial mouthwash or we will write a prescription for an antimicrobial microbial mouthwash or for a daily regimen forever. So now you will kill this bacteria and certainly you can stop periodontal disease by killing the bacteria. You can also burn down a house by setting it on fire, but that's not going to solve your problem because if you kill all of the bacteria, you're not just destroying the unhealthy bacteria, theoretically, you're killing all the good bacteria too. And by changing that bacteria, although you won't have periodontal disease, you will disrupt all of the other bacterial communities throughout your body. And the disease will continue to create chronic systemic inflammation emanating from the gut, 
even emanating from the periodontal pocket. And although you don't have gum bleeding and theoretically you don't have active periodontal disease, maybe you're still developing other chronic diseases throughout your body. The way to treat periodontal disease, in my opinion, is certainly if you have an acute infection, you can use an antimicrobial mouthwash for a week to 10 days. Let's kill all the bad stuff and kill all the good stuff, unfortunately. But we need to support the microbiome in the, in the gut by using very specific type of probiotics. We have to change the diet. So we're eating the foods that support the, 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 the gut, which would be um, anti-inflammatory foods and nutrient-dense foods, which actually is a primal or ancestral diet. And then we can uh, take our time to treat the active damage that was caused by the active periodontal disease. Maybe let's use um, laser therapy to get a, a really good result. But you must concurrently treat the gut all along to restore a healthy gut um, garden of bacteria as well as um, improve the immune system. Yes. So uh, what does it look like for a patient? I'm, I'm going to go back to the um, you know, mild, moderate, severe diagnosis before the the stage stages and grades came in, but uh, what does it look like for a patient coming in with mild, moderate, severe periodontitis? Are you, um, is the clinical treatment the same? You're just, you're adding in the nutritional component or are you um, able to eliminate any kind of perio surgery, any kind of scaling and root planing and any of those things? Yes, actually, um, let's get into that because you're absolutely correct. Um, the treatment would generally be the same without long-term antimicrobial therapy. So what I would recommend, let's say you have a person that has gingivitis. So we're not dealing with active peri uh, periodontal, uh, periodontitis, active bone lesions. You're just dealing with inflammation in the gingival tissues. It has been proven with human studies, which is fascinating because it's recently published um, 2016 or something like that. Uh, Johann Wobler in Germany uh, did some really good studies previous to that around 2007 to 12. I'm not sure. I don't have the study in front of me. Gottlieb also did a, um, uh, uh, not Gottlieb, um, I'll think of it the same. But this study was published in the journal Periodontology. They did another study that was not very well controlled, but it was a human study. But both studies showed that if you changed the diet, eliminated all processed foods, all added sugars, and no chemicals, and didn't have the patients in the studies brush or floss, but they ate healthy foods, they all had gingivitis or gingival inflammation, bleeding on probing. At the end of four weeks, the healthy diet changed the periodontal bleeding to significantly less to the point where it cured the gingivitis. It improved the bacterial cultures. They still had lots of bacteria, even more bacteria because they couldn't brush or floss, but the bacterial cultures were in a state of balance. And... Um, we could, and and you can reverse gingivitis by just putting a patient on a correct nutritional diet that's anti-inflammatory. Now, once the disease progresses from gingivitis to periodontitis, and as you know, it doesn't always do that. And there are a few reasons why it does that. Um, some people um, think that they don't really know the reason, but I think that there is a reason, and that is the mitochondria of gingival fibroblasts become... Um, dysfunctional, and then what is happening with the excess free radicals that are produced does create a cytokine storm in the gingival tissues, creating periodontal uh, disease or periodontitis that actually causes the bone resorption. But once that starts, then if you were to just improve the diet, although it would be an adjunct to treatment, you're not going to cure periodontitis. Now you have a unique nidus of infection under the gum that is, is doing much more than just causing gingival inflammation. It's causing um, a, a uh, osteoclastic activity in the bone structure. And 
the cytokines that are, re, are a result and um, are created by the immune system from P. gingivalis and lipopolysaccharides that are being produced in the area penetrate the bone structure and get into the vascular system. The, the cytokines can and, and the bacterial inflammation can actually get into the system by way of capillaries. They can get into the system by lymph tissue, and they can get into the rest of the body through the myelin sheaths of nerve tissue. So it can spread throughout the body in a variety of ways. So now you have this nidus of infection under the gum tissue, just like the nidus of infection in the gut. So you can treat active periodontal disease conventionally. You can do procedures like... Um, Certainly, scaling and replaning would be absolutely indicated. You could do osteosurgery, where you cut the tissues and do a variety of procedures, as you know. Or you can do maybe bone grafting procedures, that kind of um, therapy. Or you can move to the route where you do laser th therapy um, and have actually regeneration of the periodontal ligament and, and the cementum and alveolar bone. Um, much much um, more patient-friendly, less painful, and actually very predictable as far as regenerating bone, especially um, vertical defects. So you can go that route, but in addition, in my opinion, you must address the, the, the uh, gut dysbiosis and support not only the healthy gut, but improving the, micro, the um, immune system. Okay. Wow. Um, so when it comes to patients and the way they respond to these um, therapy, like what was the first step? Do you have a consultation with them and kind of go over their diet? Do you break it down and say, hey, I want to know how, you know, how you eat at home? I mean, what do, what, what are the steps? Absolutely. Before? Absolutely. So let me kind of explain that to you. First of all, I want you to understand that when I tell patients the story that I'm telling you right now, not 100% believe me or even are interested, right? Right. So if I, and if I have a patient come to me and I explain these things to them, I would say 5 to 10% may agree with me and want to go through my re regimen. Most of them that come to me want to have their periodontal disease treated and will do it conventionally. And I will not discuss any more nutrition with them if they don't want. But if they want, here's what, I, here's what I try to do. I tell everybody the story I just told you, that the gut is a critical factor, and we need to make sure the gut is healthy, and we need to make your, sure your diet is healthy, and we also make, need to make sure we get this disease taken care of in your mouth. Are you interested? And if they're interested, what we do is we do um, a nutritional counseling program. I will put my patients, I will give my patients three little pieces of paper and an instruction sheet. And this, these are uh, daily food journals. They're going to do a three-day food journal, three consecutive days. One day would be a weekend day. The other two days would be a, a weekday day. And they would literally list everything they eat and drink for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and everything else. They would also tell me some of the other personal things like their bowel movements and what other things that they're doing as they eat. Are they in a hurry? Are they, do they just have a, a, a fight with their spouse? You know, those psychological events are actually important with the way the body is digesting the food. So I'm going to, to, to have them come back to me completely filled out uh, those three-day food journals, and now my staff, not necessarily myself, but I would do it certainly at times, we would evaluate that food journal and pick out the things that are either unhealthy, meaning that they are not nutrient-dense, or even more unhealthy, they would be inflammatory to the gut. And we would substitute other foods for those unhealthy foods. If they're interested in pursuing that, we're going to talk and work with them doing that. And if they really are interested in going a, an, an extra step, we would encourage them to change their diet from their standard American diet, which most of these people would be eating, to a more paleo-type diet, removing the foods that are the most inflammatory. That would be the grains, the legumes, the added sugars, 
processed seed oils, a variety of foods that would be not healthy based on our ancestral nutrition. And we would work with them, and it takes time. So this would be a 30 to 90-day process to change their diet. Meanwhile, we are constantly affecting the health of their mouth by either doing what's necessary for their acute infection. We may put them on um, antimicrobials. We would certainly consider doing scaling and replaning if we're dealing with deep pockets and subgingival calculus, using ozone um, along with the, uh, as the water um, uh, flow with the uh, scaling and replaning, the Cavitron. And then uh, um, based on how their tissues are responding and they're taking care of their mouth properly, we would either initiate a just a, a maintenance program if things got better, or if we had some severe bone defects, we would use laser therapy. I was using Lynette procedure from Millennium Technologies, and I got to tell you, Lynette was an amazing technique that we could literally restore um, osseous defects to a healthier state. So it's a long process. It's a continuous process, but yes, I need to identify the foods they're eating and help them to change the bad foods and even change a lot of their diet to a more nutrient-dense anti-inflammatory diet, which would be a way of eating for the rest of their lives, not just for the course of a few months and then go back to their old ways of eating. If somebody comes in and you, they go over their, their food journal with you, um, they take everything you say to heart and they make the changes that you're recommending that day. I guess, how severe of periodontal disease would they, could they get away with that just treating their diet alone could fix without having to get into adjunctive procedures? As long as they don't have periodontitis, as long as they don't have a subgingival calculus that is initiating periodontitis or getting ready to initiate periodontitis, then they would have... Um, quite a significant positive result, I would say 100%. If they were really doing what I wanted them to do, and I was helping restore their gut with some um, medicaments, some supplements that could restore and repair the gut microbiome, the mucus layer of the gut, and the epithelial barrier of the gut, then I would tell you and I would tell every patient that I expect a 99% recovery from gingivitis. Nothing is 100%. Right. Yeah. So um, let's talk about socioeconomics issues, right? Yeah. Uh, not everybody could afford to go and get the organic-based, you know, plant-fed uh, meats and, 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 and you know, uh, vegetables and so forth. So how do you account for that and what do you do or how do you instruct patients to basically do what you want to do, which is, again, improve the gut bacteria and, 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 and overall, overall health? How do you uh, accommodate for that when it comes to socioeconomic issues? Absolutely. So let's say, it doesn't matter how you're eating, but let's say you're doing uh, the food journal, and I am going to be looking for very specific foods that are irritating to the gut and disturbing the gut barrier, so it's disturbing the bacteria in the gut and disturbing the, back, the, the membrane of the gut causing leakage of what's called lipopolysaccharides, which are the uh, cell walls of gram-negative bacteria that are loaded in the gut, and, th and it's always there in the gut, but if you have damage to the gut barrier, it's getting into the blood system, and it's cro creating chronic systemic inflammation that is definitely creating periodontal disease. A lot of other chronic diseases, but definitely creating periodontal disease. So what do I want to do with that patient? I want to tell them the foods that are causing that damage. If they can't afford anything else, I would recommend they stop all grains, especially wheat, barley, and rye. And the reason is wheat, barley, and rye contained a, contain a protein called gluten. And gluten never... First of all, it's not a natural protein that our bodies can digest. It cannot digest gluten. And the breakdown products of this massive protein are, at best, peptides. 
it never breaks down to the basic amino acids. And one of the peptides it breaks down to is called gliadin. And gliadin is extremely irritating. It's like stabbing your gut lining with a pitchfork and you were sitting in your gut and doing that. And little holes are forming in the gut membrane, which is only one cell layer thick, because of the gliadin and damaging to the cell layer. And it's causing these holes to stay open. The gut barrier literally opens and closes to allow nutrients from a molecular standpoint to be um, absorbed and transmitted from the gut lumen into your blood system. So when these holes are larger, gliadin, which is very irritating, can leak through. The lipopolysaccharides, which generally do not leak through the gut membrane to any great extent, now start leaking through. And then other proteins that are not fully digested, but, but they, they start to leak through because the holes are there, all of a sudden are creating an immune response. 70% of our immune system is in our gut. So the immune response are a variety of biological chemicals called cytokines that get produced. And it tries to stop this, inf this um, invasion of foreign material from your gut into your blood system. What happens if you were to remove the irritant, let's say gliadin, and thereby re removing gluten, and thereby you're removing wheat, barley, and rye, the gut membrane heals. It's the most um, regenerative tissue in our body. It heals and repairs itself every five to seven days. We develop a totally new barrier within five to seven days continuously. So if you had an irritant and it created this ho these holes in your gut barrier, but you stopped the irritant completely within a week, you would have a new gut barrier. And if you stopped eating these foods, you would resolve the problem and your body's immune system could start to calm itself down. The problem is once the immune system activates, it creates certain cells that have memory and creates antibodies that are in your blood system theoretically forever. And if you were to eat these proteins again and it ever leaked through your gut, it would create a very aggressive even allergic reaction. Sometimes your immune system can go out, can get wacky, and it can really start creating autoimmune disease because the immune system looks for this protein, and if it sees something that looks like that protein, but it's really a protein of one of the organ cells, let's say the, uh, the, the uh, thyroid gland, it may start to destroy your thyroid gland developing hypothyroidism, which is basically an autoimmune disease. And there are many, many other autoimmune diseases. But if you remove the irritant, then you can start to heal the gut and prevent this cascade of cytokines. So what I would tell these patients, to get back to your, your question, I would tell the patient, let's stop all these grains. Let's not eat wheat, rye, or barley. The other grains are problems somewhat. They provide a lot of carbohydrates, maybe create an insulin reaction that is unhealthy, create some excess weight, which is unhealthy. So it'd be best to remove the grains in general, but at least these three grains should be removed from your diet. And if it is a, a question of, well, what can I eat as a sandwich, then I need to talk to them about gluten-free substitutes that can still function like a sandwich or a roll or a bagel or a pizza crust that is made from cauliflower and Parmesan cheese, which is actually amazingly delicious, but it has no gluten in it. So, so I need to substitute these foods. So I can, if this person is not in a position to afford more expensive therapy and, and, and foods and or probiotics or other supplements, I want to remove this irritant. The other irritants are um, added sugars. Added sugars are not the sugar of a grape, it's the it's the or the sugar of a strawberry, but it's the powdered sugar you put on the strawberry strawberry to make it sweeter because you think it needs more sweetness. So it's the added sugars that are no good. It's the concentrated sugars that are syrups, and it is the um, the juiced uh, fruits. So if you want to have an orange, 
don't drink the orange juice, eat the orange. So the orange juice is has some nutrients, has a tremendous amount of acid, and a tremendous amount of concentrated sugar um, without the pulp, which is actually the fiber that your body... You brought up sugar. So how about sugar substitutes, especially one that comes up a lot in dentistry is xylitol because of its yeah. effect on uh, antimicrobial effects. So what are your opinions on that? Okay, so let's talk about xylitol. Um, keep that thought. I want to talk about xylitol, but let me talk about the other foods that we need to uh, remove first, and then let's get back to the other sweeteners. So um, I mentioned that we want to remove the uh, the grains, and I, and, I, and I said that we want to remove... Um, the sugars. Yeah, so the sugars. So the next thing that we want to remove are the processed seed oils. So the processed seed oils are like um, cottonseed oil, um, uh, canola oil, sunflower seed oil. Uh, it's not the, these are the polyunsaturated oils. They are very unstable. They're very unhealthy. They, they create a variety of problems with our cell linings, our cell walls. We want to eat Oils, basically fats that are healthy. Actually, saturated fats are extremely healthy if they're coming from animals that are pastured or, or uh, wild-caught. And the monosaturated fat oils, like olive oil and avocado oil, would be certainly okay. Um, coconut oil is, is a saturated oil, which has, for the most part, a lot of health benefits. So we don't want and we should remove this, the, the highly processed, over-processed seed and vegetable oils like I just mentioned. Um, they are very damaging. And then if you can eliminate those categories, I would also eliminate sodas because of the acid and the concentrated sugars and the ones that are artificially sweetened because the acids still are a problem. Now let's get back to the and those are the foods that I would want an individual to remove. So I'm not talking about a crazy wild diet that has a certain name like paleo or Mediterranean or carnivore. I am talking about removing the in the the inflammatory foods that are damaging the gut, putting holes in the gut, creating a systemic inflammatory response that absolutely causes gum disease. So let's remove those. Now, let's talk about xylitol. Here's another. Uh, nobody knows my phone number, so they're not going to call me, but they're <laughs> going to call you guys because you allowed me to say this. Um, I am not a fan of xylitol, and I'll tell you why I'm not a fan of xylitol. Number one, it's a polyol. Um, it is um, a sugar alcohol. It is extremely disruptive to the gut. Um, most people have diarrhea and gas when they eat and drink xylitol. How could that be healthy, uh, number one? Number two, xylitol is really good if you want to get rid of dental plaque. It actually prevents the, the initial formation of the dental pellicle, the plaque, to form on the root of the tooth. So let's say you are this biological dentist who believes that bacteria in the mouth is really unhealthy, so you want all your patients to chew xylitol gum and eat foods that have lots of xylitol, and you want to do anything and everything that you can keep xylitol in the mouth. You're going to even give them lozenges to suck on all day because that's going to prevent tooth decay because it's going to dissolve all the plaque. And you got it. It'll do that. But you've just killed the natural healthy biofilm in your body called dental plaque. So dental plaque does, if I remember, three specific things. It acts as a barrier to pathogenic bacteria because it has this 700 or so species of microbes that make up the plaque that produce their own hydrogen peroxide in various concentrations that literally kill off other invaders that could get under the gum tissue and into the root of the tooth. The other thing that it does is it's, is it's kind of like a gatekeeper. It allows the minerals, biologically active minerals, 
Now, it's not the minerals that are in toothpaste or in a mouthwash or whatever. These are the biologically active minerals that are actually in your saliva. Can you talk about um, some of those uh, toothpaste that you put in a tray, the ones that some of these offices are recommending for patients uh, to use? I want to say that it's called um, PerioProtect. Can you talk more about that? Um, I hope they're not a sponsor of your not uh, web not podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a disaster. I think it's a disaster. They are trying to kill the microbial population in your mouth. Yes, I do not have a problem with a therapeutic approach using that. If you needed to destroy this very virulent disease, this acute infection that you have for your patient, but I don't think, I think this is overkill, but you still could do that. I don't like these trays because they're basically uh, recommended for the rest of your life. You're using this tray every night. You're killing. You're putting an antimicrobial. You're using um, antibiotics. You're, let me ask you a question. If I said I want you to take this ca- capsule of penicillin just one a day for the rest of your life, you think it's a good idea? If you know a little bit about um, antibiotics, you're going to destroy your gut and kill all the good bacteria and possibly some of the bad bacteria, and then you're going to be prone to all kinds of diseases because your immune system is going to be shot. I don't believe in any antimicrobial other than a short-term therapeutic regimen. And I would not use an expensive PerioProtect tray because aren't they several hundred dollars to, to do that? procedure mm-hmm. i would just mm-hmm. give them a prescription or tell them to go out and buy over-the-counter peroxyl for a week to 10 days but they have to understand they have to make other changes let's start mm-hmm. a scaling and replaning regimen to clean up the mouth the hydrogen peroxide will help destroy most of the microbes but you know hydrogen peroxide if it's used a long time uh, for a long term will tend to allow yeast bacteria yeast to overgrow so it's not really effective against yeast, but it's against other bacteria and microbes. So the, the yeast in your mouth, which is natural and normal, can overgrow, and you can develop thrush because of the hydrogen peroxide use for too long of a period of time. All right, yes. Kyle, go ahead. So I'm a patient. I have perio disease. I'm going to come and see you. Uh, the biggest question that we as dental providers get are, what's it going to cost? Is my insurance going to cover it? And how many times or how frequently do I need to see you? What what does that treatment process uh, expense ratio look like? De- depending on who is initiating this nutritional counseling and monitoring um, would depend on the cost of the program. And uh, unfortunately, generally, it's not covered by insurance. So there is a dental code. I can't remember exactly what it is. It's D1130. It is the code for dental nutritional counseling. So a dental office is is certainly um, uh, allowed, and there is a a legal code to do this procedure to support dental health, which in turn, by the way, if you support dental health, you're going to support overall health um, by taking care of the gut microbiome and the microbiology in the mouth. But um, that's not going to be covered by insurance. The way I would price that into the treatment plan is that a staff member can be trained to do the nutritional counseling. I have a, uh, a detailed program called Dental Nutritional Counseling Program that I teach uh, dental offices to in, in, um, implement um, in their office. And a staff member can learn how to describe the program to the patient, give them a three-day food journal, interpret the three-day food journal in terms of soda, added sugars, and grains, especially the wheat, rye, and barley, and then make substitutes or give substitutes for those foods that the patient won't say, um, I need something sweet, and you're not giving me anything sweet, or I need something to hold my meat together or cheese together, or whatever you're putting into a sandwich. So you have to give them a substitute and then a satisfying substitute, and then monitor them either once a month, every other month, maybe once a year, at the normal hygiene appointment. That can be part of your um, plan. But the way I would do it is 
if you have a staff member do it, um, whatever you're paying the staff member uh, an hour, maybe three to five times that salary would be the cost of the appointment. And then how many appointments you would need would be depending on how the patient is responding and following the direction, how compliant they are and how willing they are in making changes in their body. All right. Well, we'll end with this. But um, when it comes to, and if anybody else has any other questions, we can continue. But uh, when it comes to genetics, right, I feel like a lot of my patients and a lot of our patients always blame genetics. And I know that you had a lecture that you talked about epigenetics, I think is what you called it. And I wanted to kind of understand uh, basically uh, the connection between our genetics and, you know, our gut health, our overall systemic health from your point Everybody, of view. Great question. Genetics is a factor. There is no question that, that our blueprint, our genetic blueprint, is a determinant on how we can survive. But our genes can be upregulated, meaning the switch can be turned on and they can do what they are designed to do, and if those genes may not be good or may be damaged, um, we can downregulate or turn off the switch. And the way that is done is that nutrients, anti-inflammatory, nutrient-dense foods, literally have an effect on turning off some bad genes or turning off some bad, uh, what's called SNPs or 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 um, changes in the gene, not necessarily a mutated gene, but changes in the gene that don't allow them to function properly. But if you have a predisposition for cancer, let's say, um, that cancer gene can be down-regulated 80% of the time, and these are statistics that are floating around some peer-reviewed medical literature, if you're eating nutrient-dense anti-inflammatory foods but are also not or avoiding chemicals that can upregulate or cause these these genetic um, uh, bad genes like a cancer gene to activate itself. A person that has more of a predisposition to cancer may need to be more proactive. A person that has a precondition for genetic condition for periodontal diseases, you know, there is a genetic component, may have to take care of their mouth and their diet a little bit better than the person that doesn't have these negative genes. But even if you are prone genetically or predisposed genetically to a problem like periodontal disease, you can overcome that by being proactive. But when you get the disease, it may become more aggressive and last longer and create more destruction than the person that didn't have that genetic component. All right. Yes. Okay. Uh, you started off by saying brushing, flossing might not be that important. Uh, so first question is, are you still recommending to your patients that they brush and floss? Absolutely. So I, I was trying to be funny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the reality is our primal ancestors did not brush or floss or go to their dental cave to have dental cleanings and fluoride placed on the roots of their teeth. So, And if you look at the skeletal remains from ten to 20,000 years ago, there's hardly any tooth decay or alveolar bone loss. Yes, there was some. Certain societies had certain uh, crazinesses the way they ate. But for the most part, they did not have the kind of disease, certainly the pre- prevalence of disease today. If you look at some studies, there was a study that was published, I think it's 2007, of college students that showed that 92% of this college base had gingivitis. 92%. Mm-hmm. That's epidemic. 90 to 92%, according to the World Health Organization, 90 to 92% and the CDC um, of adults have or have had tooth decay. So this is a very epidemic disease, talking about COVID-19. This is an epidemic, too, although it's not causing the other problem, but it is causing problems, and it's certainly causing premature tooth loss and systemic inflammation as it gets under the gum tissues. Um, So we need to brush and floss. But the critical thing is to understand we should not be brushing and flossing 
and, and using a variety of techniques to strip away the dental plaque completely from the tooth 24 hours a day. I do not believe that disclosing solutions that show a little bit of pink should, should tell the individual, like the, the child, to scrub that off until there is no pink because you're really trying to remove the entire pellicle of the dental plaque, and that's not healthy. I think, on the other hand, you need to improve that child's nutrition. I know it's difficult because how can you get to a child who is not an adult, obviously, when the mother brings the child in and she's got a can of Mountain Dew in her hand? It's a very difficult situation, and I'm not real. This is, I'm not trying to be funny when I say this. You have to try to get the family to understand the the necessity of making lifestyle changes and eating habits, which is probably not going to happen. But brushing and flossing is not the critical ingredient if you understand that diet nutrition and the gut microbiome are the critical ingredients and if you take care of them like our primal ancestors took care of their mouth they didn't think about their mouths yet they had their teeth for the most part throughout their lives unless they had trauma and broke a tooth or knocked the tooth out and where where can uh if somebody listening to this where can they learn more about uh everything that you've been talking about that's it my website my website actually i have over 500 blog articles that I've written over the past five plus years that talk about all of these subjects in, in a variety of ways. And they can go to the, my website, which is drdannenberg.com, D-R-D-A-N-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. Under blogs, you would be able to see all the blogs, but you could just in the um, search little, you know, um, magnifying glass search uh, section, you can just type a word in that is pertinent to what you're looking for and the articles that are relevant would pop up. Wow. And also I wrote a book. Yes, book yes. Called Great Crazy Good Living. It was published by Electra Press in 2000, 2017. It's on Amazon and any other bookseller around, so you could check it out. Wow. Awesome. This has been very informative for myself. I'm not going to let my wife listen to it because then she's, she'll say that she's completely... <laughs> A hundred percent right about everything. You know I'm going to send this to Jyoti. I know we don't, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, this was this was awesome. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. I I know how busy you are. We really appreciate you coming. I am on. not busy at all. Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me with Come a good on. time. That's all good. <laughs> no, but we really appreciate you coming on. I mean, this was just valuable. And uh, if you know anybody has any other way, um, any other questions for you did they just have to go on the website right if you go on the website and just click on contact so you can type in a, a, a question and obviously it comes directly to me and i respond to all my um, email yeah i know you do you respond very quickly too so thank you so much for that i told you i have nothing else to do <laughs> it's all good well thank you guys really appreciate it and thank I mean, you so much no, I, I love the opportunity you guys were great awesome thank you again thank you good. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.